Hebrews 11, verse 30. We read about Moses. We read how the Israelites, they passed through the dry land. When the Egyptians tried to do that, they were drowned. And it's written, the quality that they had that enabled them to go through a sea as if it was dry land. A miracle happened. It was the mighty power of God. But it took their faith. Praise be to God. I'd like someone to please read the, this chapter as we're going to pick up on verse 30 shortly. Someone please read it slowly and clearly for us so we can hear God's word. Praise God, Pastor. Uh, the entire chapter 11. Praise God, Pastor. I cannot hear you if you're speaking. Oh, praise God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, please. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11, NLT version. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him, to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac 
Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith 
that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rehab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of the fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were claimed in prisons. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so, they, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Trying to get a better connection here. Just heard Hebrews 11 read. We see the power of God's word, the power of faith, and the power of faith to endure through persecution. I'm going to just switch my connection here in a moment.
trying to get a better connection. It's going in and out here for me. So please bear with me. In the meantime, um, just uh, reflect on what we just heard. The persecution and the, the problems that came to the people of faith and how they endured. We look at the list of what happened to them. And we see that Christianity is not a religion of poverty. It's not that someone takes a vow of poverty. But according to the calling of a prophet, of an evangelist, of a martyr. So we see that these people... They went through tremendous trials and scourgings and persecution. But it's written in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. And once we see, as we pick up on verse 30, my computer's still trying to connect, so I'll stick with the phone connection here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about Seven days. God said to do something. And they followed what was told to them, beginning with the leader, Joshua. He listened to the Lord. He heard from God. He listened to the Lord. And he conveyed what God said. He told the people what God said to do. His job was complete. He heard the Lord, he listened, and he conveyed. He spoke the word of faith from God himself that if you do this, I'm going to give you victory. Even though it looks like it's impossible. It looks impenetrable, the defense of this wicked city. And we must remember that the Israelites did not go looking for enemies to pick a fight with. The people they encountered were not only evil in their own practices, but they were wicked in wanting to slay the righteous because there are only two powers in this world and in the universe, only two powers ultimately. It's God Almighty, the Holy, Just, and True One, the merciful, compassionate God, the glorious one, the eternal one, and that creature that he created, good, blessed, who gave himself out of his own free will to go against the very one who gave him life. And he fell because there was no way he could repent. He wanted to overthrow God, wicked creature he became. And so he's characterized by that serpent. I was in touch with the ministry just recently to uh, look for some resources for edification in terms of science in the Bible, mainly for Joseph and whoever the Lord would have us shared with. 
we have many resources that God has given us over the years they would love to share with and we've done that to an extent but the hunger and thirst must increase in the appreciation for what God has given and the church has to expand have accountability and such things for the resources it's God's resources but as I was talking to this particular ministry for this I told a young lady on the other line on the other side of the phone line that um, I'm going to skip this resource because I see on the cover it has a snake and uh, she said how old is your child I said he's eight and she said well when my brother was nine he loved snakes I almost wanted to explain to her why we shouldn't love snakes. But I thought she's one among many, many Christians or professing Christians who don't understand at all the nature of a snake. But as we mature and we get close to God and we read more of the Word, we see there's nothing good about the snake. There's only one thing good but it's something that is taken by the Lord Jesus and isolated not for all of the other things that point to evil in a snake, but that shrewdness and alertness. He said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. God's word comes to us and the more familiar we are with God's voice, Note this, the more you are familiar with God's voice and His Spirit, very sensitive to hearing what God's inmost thoughts are, which is life, we come to understand that all of creation was good. God even said very good. But there's a curse that came where that Lucifer, that evil one, wanted to destroy God, actually, in his utter foolishness and self-deception. God threw him away in one second. But in God's great wisdom, he is setting up the devil all these years for a final capture and imprisonment in the lake of fire to be tormented all that he's done we, ne we need to know one thing God is a God of vengeance I say that so clearly it, it strikes terror in my heart in a good way in a healthy way because I know God will have the last laugh with anyone doesn't matter who it is who thinks they can outwit God or pull the wool over God's eyes, we think, who would be foolish enough to do that? Everyone who sins is foolish enough to do that. Every time someone does something contrary to God's will, they are thinking they can pull the wool over God's eyes. They can cover his eyes. They can trick him. They may not consciously say that, but that's what they're doing. How heinous of a crime, how wicked, malicious, this is the trait of the devil. 
disobedience, hatred against God. He couldn't overthrow God and what he tried to do was malign God's name to bring disrepute and blaspheme him by affecting the very creation that he loved most. Who? You and I, mankind, the human race. And so he moves people to have their own independence from God. That's where the problem comes in. If God says that the serpent was more subtle, crafty, more than any other creature, and you see that Satan possessed that creature, and that creature and Satan are linked to be the same, doesn't mean that every snake is Satan. However, it has such traits that the devil's called the old serpent, even in the last book of the Bible. What good thing can we see about a serpent and a snake? It's said that even those garter snakes, even the seemingly harmless, tiny little snakes, that every one of them have neurotoxins that they inject into human beings. We may not feel it immediately, but there's some damage done. Now, who would keep anything as a pet that would cause damage? Think about that. It has no useful purpose, but on top of that can cause damage. What is the affinity and desire that a person has toward such creatures? The more one is close to God, the more one will realize it's not a question about what I like and what you like and what I think. It's what God says. Certain things are repulsive, naturally. But you see, when one is trained to like what God says is not good, it can become very cute, adorable. And so this young lady who is the... operator there in charge of the sales at this big ministry, good ministry, mostly. What what I heard from her was not surprising. When we get close to God, we will know what is repulsive, repulsive to God as far as sin is concerned. Our daughters were raised by and are being raised by us particularly Paskurva, on how to be godly since they were infants. By example and by teaching. So how can an infant learn anything? There's a presence of God that transfers things. I can attest to that. I was in the presence of a relative. I was an infant. I don't remember much from that period. I was just an infant. But I remember that I was with this particular individual who was walking with the Lord and being used of God. And I felt the sense, and it stayed with me years later, even after I moved away from that location. This relative was holy. And there's something about the holiness that was conveyed to me without even verbal communication. God's presence and the point is 
as we look at this individual who lived in Jericho Rahab, she was of the world and she was a harlot, a prostitute. So our daughters, daughters, since there was, they were very little, they would instantly know when somebody is loose, L-O-O-S-E, when somebody is deceived when it comes to women. How? One of the ways was the clothing they wore. They would know instinctively because they were trained in the presence of God by their mother who walked with God since she was very little. How to carry yourself as a woman, as a young girl. And what things are detestable, abominable. It's not a question of being a Quaker or a Hasidic Jew or some religious person in whatever religion. That this is what we do and that's it. No, there's a nature of God that's transferred. That happened to this person, Rahab. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. The Israelites circled this city slash nation or city-state. Various descriptions for those entities back then. They were wicked and filthy before God. God said, I'm going to get rid of them. Because God waits a long time. And you know what? We can look through the scriptures and we can pick out People of different nations, different nations who didn't even know God, but they had a heart to want to do the right thing. And out of all the people, people of different nations, not of Israel, God handpicks certain people from different places to highlight their character and save them. God is so good. His plan was always to redeem all of mankind. But he looks for the nature that although a person is sinful and inherits sin from Adam and also sinners by choice, there's a quality in people with all of that where they are able to go with their conscience, which is a gift given to everyone, although it may be understood as being shattered and uh, tainted by sin, still there's something there. And that's why you can see an unbeliever has no knowledge of God. Within their conscience, his or her conscience, knows that, you know, that's an old person there. Let me get up and give that person my seat on a crowded bus. Doesn't even know God. Now, the motivation for some may be that I want to look like a hero. But, you know, there are people who don't even know God. They're not interested in what people think about them. But they know this is the right thing to do. I, I should get up. And they have the gratification. Even if nobody's looking, I did the right thing by my conscience. When their conscience becomes corrupted by choice, that which is fashionable in this world becomes a good thing in that person's eyes. And so, Pascarva, by example, by the presence of God, by teaching, train the children. Certain things are shameful. There's a dignity that you carry as a child of God, especially as a female. You don't need to show anything or do anything to gain anything in this world. Otherwise, you would be acting like a pig 
to be promoted in a pig's kingdom. There will be people who will look for certain flaunting of the flesh and promised benefits. But there's also a corresponding nature within the person who flaunts the flesh. They're showing that they also have become corrupt. Grace of God is that all of us who have been tainted by sin and trained by the devil and by relatives, society, the media, to act immoral, to dress in a way that is seductive, to have no self-respect, to not understand nor care that I have to be reserved for the spouse God has for me. Yes, I'm supposed to be married. Not everybody's supposed to be married. There are those who have elected not to for the sake of God's ministry. But to each his or her calling. Whether single for life or bound to be married or married, holiness is something that is natural for a born-again person, if one is truly born again and walking with God. But if one is not walking with God and never has been born again, they can't help it almost, we can say. They can. They can make a choice. There are also unbelievers. For example, in Indian societies years ago, in the American society years ago, to this day, even in some African societies, some Spanish societies, there are people who don't even know the living God. They don't know Jesus Christ. Perhaps they've never heard about Jesus Christ or have heard about him and don't know him. But they have a measure of decency and self-respect and they convey that to their children. You don't dress like that. And the standard is not what we think. It's a higher standard than what we think is the common standard. Meaning, in our day and age, we may think this is really immoral. But for those people in the societies I mentioned from different backgrounds, something that happened to Rahab has begun to happen to them. How? The conscience God has given has enough light. And that's why in Romans 1, men and women are held accountable for their choices. We're able to reject. It may be a dim light because of the fall. But it's still there. But if I suppress that light, I'll go deeper into darkness, into delusion, to the point where I think, who cares about anyone or anything? In fact, I don't even care about myself. So I'll trash myself and give myself as trash to be trashed by others. It's a sickening cycle. But I want to mention God's compassion. We may speak in rather blatant and sharp terms sometimes. That's how the scripture is. It pierces. We can't dull that sword that's supposed to be sharper than any double-edged sword. It's supposed to cut through. But with that, as Pastor Krubus preached before, with that cutting that God has to do to divide darkness from light in our lives, to save us, to bless us, there's a healing balm, B-A-L-M. There's a healing that comes through. Only God can do that. And so with Rahab, as with many, many people, God knew exactly what she was up to. How she trashed her body for profit. 
She didn't have that self-respect. And one may say, well, maybe she was poor and that's the only thing she could have done. Whatever the case, she didn't have that understanding. I created the image of God. It was a pagan religion. Heathens and atheists, they do the same thing. But God's compassion came to her. As each of us, every one of us has tasted God's compassion. Love drew us. Nothing but love and the power of God to deliver. Now that I'm a Christian, can we see this dark contrast? What have I do to do with darkness? What do I have to do with snakes? Speaking now symbolically, spiritually. In other words, what do I have to do with cunningness and subtlety and deception and lying? There's nothing good in that. What trait do I want to convey to my children by my life and by my choices? What traits? Godliness. It's amazing how clear God is. He's so clear. He's the best communicator. He told Timothy through the Apostle Paul and to Titus how they ought to train the people that they're shepherding and how the older women ought to teach the younger women. There's a teaching going on. God expects and he blesses. Isn't that amazing? God could say, I'm the one that speaks to everyone directly. Period. He's so loving and so eternally wise that he has included us in the building of, the, of his kingdom first and foremost in our own families. To be a godly example. What a privilege to partner with God. You mean, as we mentioned the other day, that we have the power to attract God to us, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That's a promise from the Scriptures. We have the power to repel God away, to make Him be disgusted with us because of our disobedience and rebellion and pride. But we choose the former because we know God is love. Everything is good that comes from God to his children. He loves us. And so he blesses us. We also have the power to bring people to God as his ambassadors or turn them away from God by teaching them sinful things. First, we're responsible for our own families. To show them. Rahab did that very thing. You know how it started? She heard these spies what they were up to. And she became a traitor to her own nation. It's a great thing to be a traitor to the devil. Hallelujah. Can God count on you and me to be traitors to that former master? was vicious, worse than any pimp, as people say in this world. Not caring about anyone, trashing the people and youngsters at that. This trafficking and this wickedness. What a horrible judgment for those men and those women. For filthy money. There are those among that class too. God is so compassionate. We have been saved by God's grace. 
who have been saved by God's grace. They vowed never to go back because they know how wicked it is. Rahab was able to renounce her old lifestyle, become a traitor to her own nation, and she was interested in saving her family too. This faith did wonders in that woman's life who was a prostitute. Whoever said the God of the Old Testament was angry? All you hear about is thunder, lightning, and judgment, earth opening up. That God is Jesus Christ. He never does anything without a purpose. And his purposes are perfect. Because his nature is perfect. It's not just a given that we have to blindly accept. It's actually the truth. He demonstrates his love and his gospel evangelistic zeal. God does. By taking a woman out of an enemy nation and taking actually a woman who's supposed to be not so highly esteemed even in that nation. Although she was living literally on the wall of that nation in a house built there. There was a convenience perhaps for her disobedient and reckless lifestyle to be there situated where most traffic would have been. Visitors and from the natives. But the Bible says she didn't perish. When everybody perished, brothers and sisters, God has called you and I out of darkness. The question is, am I living in the light or walking in darkness? Faith has a quality that it not only thrives in the light, it has the ability to radiate light to others. Prashan read a few moments ago, some minutes ago, that the righteous believer, Noah, condemned that world in which he lived. He condemned the wicked. In verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? It wasn't just by his preaching, it was by his life. Light will always condemn darkness. By default. It's not that the light is trying to condemn the darkness. By virtue of what it is, it will manifest and expose darkness and so the people who live in darkness, they've become very hostile to the truth. Who are you to tell me what to do and who are you to judge me? You think you're better than me? Wait a minute. Imagine a fireman coming to rescue someone with a roof about to fall on their heads from the fire. Kicking and screaming, who told you you can grab me and, and carry me out? You think you're better than me? Kicking and screaming as the man or the woman, the firewoman, is carrying that individual to safety. Now that person, if the person has integrity and love, or is just a person who knows the job and has to do it, 
knows to ignore this person. They may be thinking this person deluded or foolish. Something's wrong. Maybe they're sick. Nonetheless, I'm going to save them. That's what the Lord did for us. Many of us instantly were hostile to the light. By virtue of us living and thriving in darkness, quote-unquote, we were actually dying in darkness. The Lord came and rescued us from a fiery judgment. Merciful Jesus. And we would have kicked and screamed, some of us. And then we saw, thank God, I got rescued. I'm never going back to that hell hole God rescued me from. Evil and darkness and the serpent, subtlety, deception, lying, pride, poison. They all go together. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, everything is pure to us. Our very conscience and our minds, they used to be perverted by this world and world standards. Various degrees become transformed. And not only do we appreciate light, we love the light. Because God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. The faith that came to Rahab came by her hearing and she confessed that to the two Israelite spies. I heard what your God did to the enemies. And she stepped into action. I can't afford to go against you too because you're coming as members of the nation of the living God. I know you're going to come and destroy everything because your God who the Egyptians couldn't stop is with you. I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to be foolish and perish with my people. Esther said, if I perish, I perish, but she stood for righteousness. This woman, Rahab, all of a sudden, the faith, because she believed God's word, you know what happened to her? Though she was far removed from Abraham, she became a daughter of Abraham. How does a Canaanite, how does a Canaanite and a native of Jericho, a woman and a prostitute become a daughter of Abraham. Is it anywhere explicitly stated in Scripture? I haven't found that. But I know it's true. How do I know that? How do we know that? The same way Abraham believed God when God said something that he couldn't comprehend with his mind, but he knows God said it. He believed in the virtue, the, the love and the promise-keeping nature of God power of God it was credited to his account he's righteous Rahab and all of us have come in the same way we believed God but you know what Abraham took action his feet started moving not opposite to God saying I believe in God I love God and I have the Bible and I have a cross around my neck or in my car and I say my prayers I read the word I go to church God says, but do you obey me? Lord, you know going to church is obeying you? Yes. You know paying my tithes is obeying you? Yes. But have you separated from evil? What good is it to do some things but never separate from darkness within the heart? There was a change in Abraham's life. There was a change in Rahab's life. Their feet 
and their hands began to move in the direction of obedience. And it started from the heart. Rahab instantly hid the spies. She had a word that God put in her mouth to tell the king and his soldiers to divert them from getting to these men. She all of a sudden, who is an enemy of God, became a helper of God's cause. See? Faith will transfer you and me, you and I, from being in a state of hostility against God and His cause to become 100% aligned with His will. What is God up to? I'm going to walk with God and do what God says. I want to see His kingdom come. Many people would like to say and see, well, when God's kingdom come, I heard comes there. I heard that they they will never be thirsty. People will never hunger, and He will wipe away every tear, every sorrow from us. Yes, but also when His kingdom comes, all wickedness will be destroyed. And that's what you call the whole Christian. That's what you call the whole gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is not just good news to get me out of my situation and make me live right and uh, give me the things and blessings upon blessings. And look, God's increasing my cash flow. Hallelujah. He does do that. God's increasing my health. He does do that. He blesses all around. And there's a trial period when it looks like all is lost. There's a calling also, as we see in the book of Hebrews, for some to be martyrs and some to go through a specific path. But the resurrection will be more glorious. Hallelujah. But apart from what concerns me, there's a zeal in every genuine believer to hate that serpent, the devil, with all their hearts, just like God hates them. Because he's a murderer and liar, a thief. All he wants to do is spoil and kill people and steal. God is against that. There's a yearning for God's justice. Rahab flipped. Not in the sense that she lost her mind. She flipped sides. She became a traitor to the nation that served Satan and became a patriot because now instantly she became a citizen of Israel. In fact, she was quite literally brought into the genealogy of the very Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder of wonders. How did it begin? This thing that we define from the Bible in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I don't have it and I can't see what I'm trusting for. Trusting in a God I can't even see with my eyes physically unless he gives a special vision or revelation. But it's by faith. And it is the evidence or the receipt that I have in my wallet, in my pocketbook, in my pocket, in my house. What is the receipt for? That you have this coming to you because God said it. I have the evidence. God's promise is my evidence. God will do what he said. Hallelujah. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. 
who is willing to trust God and continue to trust God? And who can trust God except those who are in the light? It's not only hypocrisy, it is false. A person in darkness cannot trust God. It's impossible. Because faith and love, virtue, humility, surrender, obedience, holiness, light, all go together. There's no such thing as faith apart from obedience, which Rahab had. As we conclude this morning, in a few moments, we see that light condemns darkness, and Rahab all of a sudden came into the light, and her family saw this woman, this daughter, this wife perhaps, this mother, this aunt, Auntie Rahab, she sure is acting strange. All of a sudden she's a traitor to our beloved country. She's defected to some other side. The woman was filled with the fear of God to the extent that she called everybody that she could in her family and said, Our country, this city, is about to go down. And I've got the escape route. I know where the fire escape is. You want to be saved? Come. Because the men who came from the other country that's going to come and just destroy this nation, their God is the real God. Nobody could stop that God. He's on his way over here, and I don't want to be his enemy. I sure don't want to be his enemy. And I have the fire escape route clearly shown to me by the two spies from that country whose God is the Lord. And he told me, they told me, whoever's in your house when we come to level this place, burn this place, destroy the people, whoever's in your house will spare them. Now we talked to you and you did this favor to us to save your skin, also your soul. And you see, God has had mercy on you. We promise. I want you to hang that scarlet thread out your window so when we come, we can know instantly. Because we're going to tell all our soldiers they're coming fiercely with the fierceness of God Almighty against this wicked place. And we're going to tell every man, you see that scarlet thread hanging from that house, that window on the wall? Don't touch it. Because she pleaded, not only for me, but the people with me. Oh, Lord, God gave grace. Whoever stays within the house. And so we tell our families. We broadcast this message. you got to turn. You don't understand who you're dealing with. God is almighty. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's a God of justice. He has to put an end to wickedness. And whoever is a part of wickedness, they don't stand a chance. So make sure you switch sides quickly. How? Believe God and then obey Him. Get your feet out of evil. Cut the ties with evil and everything that comes from that. Come to the light. Demonstrate that you really believe. If you've read that article, I've sent it not only for the life training school students, but for our church about eternal security. It clearly 
delineates, clearly outlines and details. It's not even an exhaustive treatment really. But it's enough to show us clearly why real born-again people, really saved, had miracles done for them by God, can end up in hell. Because the faith that they once had began to be treated cheaply, that gift that God gave. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And trash the gift of God. How do you trash faith? By getting my hands dirty with the deeds of darkness that he saved me from, God saved me from. By picking up the phone and calling those people, the Holy Spirit warned me clearly, stay far away. Don't you think it's Christian love to call them up? Because they will destroy you. There's a serpent behind them. They'll get you dizzy. How many people we've warned over the years? Stay away from those people in your family who you know are not walking with God. They're holding the truth in unrighteousness. And you pretend that they're Christians? You will become an enemy of God. Notice the description that was just given. God doesn't say, trash your family, forget your family. I want to start a new family with you. Not to everyone. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved. Their belief has to transfer to every family member by your life and your example. And how will they know what light is if you don't separate yourself from them at critical times? If you want to be buddy-buddy and be the best grandma, the best mother, the best uncle, and say, I'm going to go and show some Christian love. Do you know, even though you're doing things that are kind of shady and questionable, I know God doesn't like you know God doesn't like it, but hey, let's celebrate. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm not mad at you. This is exactly how the devil deceives people. And they end up deluded and by and by. All of a sudden, that which was good looks very bad. And the light that they once knew looks like darkness. It's ill. It's boring. It's evil. It's... It's sad, it's cultic, it's blindness. I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. How do you know the Bible is true? All these sinister, wicked things from the serpent will begin to play in the mind. And you know how it starts? It starts by vocalizing these things. It starts by actions, choices. The things that God said stay clear away from becomes not so bad. And why not? So what? This pride comes in. I've mentioned it at least twice before. May I say it again, especially as you read that article and listen to these sermons on faith. There are people who be on the bus to heaven. They used to be seated firmly. But all of a sudden they started hanging out by the door. Somehow they squeezed out of the door and they're hanging on by the outside mirrors. Eventually they fall off. They can even go under the bus. It's the truth. It's not some fancy language to make someone think how descriptive and how poignant it is. And It's the truth. It's the 
horrible truth. Not that truth is horrible, but for the one who despises the truth, it becomes a reality. Be careful who you mingle with, who you associate with. God will train. He's merciful. But you know what? The more he pours in, the more accountable you become. And in this particular church, I don't know any place, anywhere, that has poured in so much, in so many ways, of heaven's truth will be held accountable very strictly. There will be no in and out in the kingdom of God. They were either in or out. If someone is disobedient, wants to be his or own shepherd, if anyone wants to toy with God's warnings, if anyone thinks, well, I know, but we'll be held accountable to God. And because I know how God operates in his nature from Genesis to Revelation, in human history, in the lives of other people I know in my own life. I know God has a time frame. He will seemingly allow something to continue. It will seem like everything's okay. All of a sudden the curtain will fall. All of a sudden. And that's when the people who thought they were smarter than God, Christians, will be outside weeping and gnashing of teeth, just like Jesus said. You need to be careful. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Apostle wrote that by the Holy Spirit to believers. And he included himself. We cannot think God is a pushover. He's a buddy. He's someone that we can kind of write on his love and grace and love and grace. and Take those words absolutely out of context. And forget about fear of God and obedience and submission. And walking in the light as he's in the light. We need to have the whole gospel to have a whole salvation, a total salvation. Rahab, as we conclude, heard about God. She heard the gospel in those days. God is the Savior, the God of the Israelites. And he is angry with the wicked every day. And I am part of the wicked people with my family and my country. God has sent these men, even though they came on a mission to spy out the land, to set everyone up for slaughter, because they're wicked. We're all wicked. But I got a guarantee. I got a promise. The Lord says, believe in me, and I'll save you. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. Maybe she was 40 years old. Maybe she was 50. Maybe she was 38. Who knows? All her life. She was trained in corruption because she lived in a corrupted house, in a corrupted nation. But she also made the choice in her conscience when the conscience was screaming out, I don't think that's right. Oh, well, uncle so-and-so does it. Mommy said it's okay. My teacher said it's okay at school. The media said it's okay. Jericho News, the science section, says we're all animals. We came from monkeys. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Who cares about gender and 
I don't care about anybody, anything. I do what I want when I want, the way I want to do it. You get in my way, I'll mow you down. That's the ticket. That's how you live. You don't let anybody treat you like some chump. Have you ever heard these words? People have taught and trained their youngsters. Rahab was part of that crowd. But faith broke her heart. All the hardness and maybe pain is a healing element also. I trust God. I realize by faith destruction is coming. But I see God's grace because these men have told me if I stay put in my house and I hang the scarlet thread to show that I'm a believer and people in my house don't go out, I'm going to be saved. She believed. She humbled herself. Pride went out the window. Not just the scarlet thread, but pride for good. Something broke up within her. Faith has that ability when we receive it. Thank you. I have a chance to believe. I'm not missing this for anybody. I'm getting out of destruction. As a pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress, the city of destruction. I'm going to flee the wrath. Wrath is coming, family. Get up and get yourself out. Because it's coming very soon. Oh, he's crazy. What a fool. I'm going to play the slot machine today. I'm going to go and live it up. I'm going to get high. I'm gonna... You keep preaching. But then it happens. And who's the fool? Rahab, because of faith, she became wise from being a lifelong fool. That's the truth. Because of faith, light came into her heart and into her home. Because of genuine faith, her hands led the men up, her feet, to the place where they can be hidden. And her mouth spoke on the cause of God's kingdom. Look at all of the different actions of faith. If I don't have something like this and you don't have something like this, we don't have faith, period. No matter what we say that we have. No matter how many times I've read the Bible, if I don't act on God's word and obey Him, I'm a fraud, and so are you. But thank God we're not. Because God has brought us to realize He's coming very soon. We can't afford anymore to play Christian. We're either in or out. Because judgment will fall. It begins at the house of God. Rahab saved herself. She separated herself from family. You know what? She told her family... This is the direction I'm going. If you don't come with me, goodbye. It was not just come in and be safe. The clear message was also the opposite. You don't stay in my house because I'm about to be saved. You want to play? You're going to pay. You may think, well, sound like crude terms. Really, Pastor? That's how it is. Jesus spoke in such a manner. He said, many will come from all over to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the children of the kingdom, the people who are actually supposed to be there first, they'd be thrust out. What a rude awakening. What a harvest. Faith puts fear of God in our hearts. Makes us not only appreciate the light, but to dwell in the light causes us to take action to obey every 
prescription that God gives for my life. Going back to the beginning of the message, it gives me a sense of dignity about my body as the temple of God. I don't need to do anything to win anybody over by trashing myself, being seductive, or going with the fashion of this world. I end with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Somebody please read that for us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. What happened to Rahab can happen to us. And we can stay in that life of faith and holiness and purity, headed for heaven because there's been a drastic change. And everybody can see it. Someone please read that. Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1 and 2, NLT version. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for, for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Don't copy the world. What does the world do? What kind of fashion, what kind of talk, what kind of approach to getting promotions, approach to moving? What are the criteria? What are their priorities? Usually it has to do with money and self-gain, what people think about me. Nothing to do with the Spirit of God. And is it going to be beneficial for my soul? Is it going to get me any closer to God, me and my children, my household? Rahab had a drastic change. All of a sudden, she stopped conforming to the world around her. She stopped conforming to her own notions of what or how to make a livelihood and what was acceptable. In essence, she abandoned everything she knew to follow the Lord, Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who sent the spies to save this woman in her household. He's the one who brought her in. Yes, the eternal Son of God, who humanly came through the genealogy of this Rahab, as we read in the Gospels brought her into his genealogy. How awesome God is. There's a fear of God that makes us become not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does that do? It actually shows me how to prove or approve all the things that are, that are holy, that are pleasing and acceptable to God. May the Spirit of God draw us even closer to pleasing Him today. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, Jesus, for showing us, Lord, how our notions, our thinking, Lord, our behavior, our understanding, everything can be directed by our own pride 
our own fleshly desires and people pleasing Lord you show us again and again not only through Rahab's life but also through Lot's life the man who lived with the father of faith for quite some time who had actually had faith he almost lost his soul because he was a family oriented person before he was a God oriented person he was a business oriented person before God oriented person he was a person who went after what his eyes saw and not what the spirit said he lost his wife his two daughters became incestuous and wicked and he almost lost his own soul oh my god i pray may terror of the lord persuade us to stop being casual with your commandments and just do it that we may save ourselves and our hearers through our life lifestyle choices and the doctrine the truth that we have understood in our understanding even more and more brace that hold fast to it and let the truth hold fast to us thank you lord thank you jesus i thank you for this glorious day my god pronounce your amazing healing my father i pray upon hester lord more and more god is in the midst of her she should not be moved God shall help her in that right early. And Lord, for every brother, every sister, Lord, Samuel, Lord, for Jesse, Lord, for Mimi, Mike and Heidi, for Carlene, for Yvonne, all who've come to hear the word of the Lord, may a healing virtue flow. Oh, Father, oh, God, who's with us in the valley, Thank you for putting an end to all evil. We may rise up, Lord. We may live a life of peace and righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for healing Jamie, Lord, doing a miracle in her, continuing to work a miracle in her, for healing Becky, Lord, for healing Jody, for healing Jinsey, Lord, of the tooth problem that she was having. Lord, for healing, Lord, those who I don't know Lord what they're going through but you know. Thank you for having mercy on Eddie Lord. Strengthening his heart to do the will of the Father. Thank you for having mercy on Ginny to stand as a testimony of what life looks like. Thank you for helping Jenny to be faithful to speak your word to her mom Lord and to stand on your promise. helping Jeff Lord to trust in you with all his afflictions Lord for putting compassion in his heart to pray for Esther and others heal him Lord miraculously oh these are our brothers and sisters Lord there may be some misunderstanding that can come up there may be some friction but Lord you said don't judge forgive and love be unified because you're going to live forever with each other with me in heaven but also because the unity 
within the family because of love and forgiveness will cause the enemy to be destroyed that much sooner. Thank you, Lord. Helping Johannes in his health, helping Julie miraculously, Lord. As I heard, Father, partially, Father, with all this going on here, that, Lord, you healed her miraculously during the service. So she came in literally with tears and tremendous back pain. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord, for healing Nisi, protecting her, Lord, being with Phil and Suzanne on the trip, Lord, with the children. Oh, my God, for being with Thaya, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you have not forgotten her, nor her request. You're the burden lifter, yes, my Father. And you move your people to pray for Thaya and her son, husband, family. Being with Yamini, Lord, thank you for being with all, Father. Rajesh, Lord, you are a great God. There's none like you. Thank you for being with India, Lord, for making her stronger and stronger, for being with Danzi, Lord, for being with her, Lord, making her father to be a light, to, Lord, be like you. Pour your grace upon her, Father, upon Divya, Lord, and her family. It was a light there in the Middle East. Thank you, God. Oh, God, thank you, Father, for being with Carmel, being with Archana Prashant, Lord, Stanley, Thank you for being with Daniel. Lord, he still hasn't come home yet. Lord, with all the devil is doing, because he knows the power. We know the people, the testimonies around the world in the past 10 years from around the world, how people felt the presence of God in Germany, as we heard from a South African. Lord, in India, in Britain, in different places, Lord. They literally felt the power of God through the broadcast when we used to have it on the Holy God TV and through the radio in New Mexico, all these places, Lord. When people who are widowed and in torment for one year suddenly got set free through a 13 and a half minute program. God of wonders program. Oh God, you're doing it still. Daniel, Lord, is at the forefront, Lord. And so the enemy is unleashing everything. But Lord, you're giving the child, this young man of God. A tenacity and a perseverance to overthrow Satan, to make that broadcast happen by your grace. Thank you, Lord, that he is able to take care of more things that the devil tried to follow and help him to rest, Father. Thank you for giving him supernatural strength, Lord. Many times not eating, Lord, virtually the whole day. Thank you, Lord. And never asking or complaining. But mission-minded for the glory of God. He could use his technology to play games and draw and everything, but he's doing it for the glory of God and for the people of God. We know, Lord, you have great things ahead, greater things for him to bring more people to you. Bless him, Lord. Bless Esther, Lord. Bless Esther Kerber. Thank you, Lord, for helping her, Lord. As I saw her yesterday, Lord, staying up all night, going through severe affliction, Lord. She could barely talk. You charged her, Lord, with your mission. And by faith, she said, I have to go. The devil doesn't want me to go, but I'm going. And you're blessed. Thank you, Holy One. You gave her grace to come back to a dire situation, Lord. Having that, that weight, Lord, to run to know what she has seen happening to Esther before. 
Oh God, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your people that are understanding and supportive in prayer. It's not a losing battle. We're not weak soldiers because we have your grace. Abraham was not weak in faith. There's an impartation that comes from you. Lord, as long as we're in that stream, we keep receiving from you. We'll be stronger and stronger by your grace. Thank you, Lord. Whatever problems your people are facing today and looming, Father, in the distance, may they find their security, rest, and peace. In your presence, Lord, you promise. We thank you and praise for all these things. Be with all the brothers and sisters who are not on the call and, Lord, who need your grace, Lord, understand the truth and to stick with the truth and to be healed of afflictions delivered from persecutions every brother every sister in our family of faith and those brothers and sisters around the world who belong to our same family we have the same gene Lord which comes from the Lord Jesus Christ the same DNA help us to love them Father help us to live a life unselfishly not about ourselves but to Live for others and give ourselves away so that people may come to the kingdom to get get excited, Lord. To reach people for you, near and far. To live for that. That's life and happiness and great joy. I pray that every one of us will become very holy, yes. Very evangelistic. Very compassionate. And very communicative with you, Lord. Keep praying to you, talking to you throughout the day. So help us, Lord. We praise you and magnify you. What you did for Rahab, you did for all of us, regardless of our background. We praise you. We adore you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.